Brands that can connect with their audiences more viscerally and more authentically will always be successful. With the Insights Out podcast, you will get access to deep and detailed conversations with the heads of leading organizations to understand how they are making their customer relationships work best and how we can all become more aligned to deliver strong value exchanges and better realize the benefits. I'm your host, Dr. Natanya Wachtel. Welcome. Welcome to another episode of Insights Out, a spotlight on modern solutions to put customer data to work. We're unearthing game-changing intelligence, predicting customer needs, and seamlessly connecting insights into measurable action everywhere your brand touches your customers. Today, I have a special guest, Dr. Harvey Castro, who is here to talk about some of the pioneer areas in customer insights around chat, GBT, AI, and healthcare. Welcome, Dr. Castro. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I was wondering if you might take it just a few moments and give us a little bit of background on you and some of your latest developments. My name is Dr. Harvey Castro. I'm an ER board certified physician, taking the liking of digital health. So the last part of my career has been focused on digital health. My background has been, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've had over 20 healthcare companies, several successful exits, ranging from iPhone app, a medical company that I had, to emergency rooms and hospitals that I actually ran and started. And now I'm really into digital health. So the latest, obviously, is ChatGBT. That's awesome. Obviously, pretty impressive stuff there and why you're here today to help illuminate some of the maybe misconceptions that are being talked about and some of the trends. You can't open any app that has any news in it today and not see something about AI and ChatGPT. Fewer about healthcare and most people are either deathly terrified of the takeover and or unsure in what to leverage and how or where to trust. So I was wondering if today we could pick maybe two or three topics that you found were maybe trending and had a unique position on that you could help share with listeners some tips to to navigate them or ways to think about them. Yeah, good question. When I went on the web just looking for other healthcare providers that were explaining ChatGPT and healthcare, I was shocked that I only found like two references all month. And so one of the references was really interesting and it actually went viral. A rheumatologist doctor basically sent a letter to the insurance company and used ChatGPT and references to basically argue for that patient saying, hey, this got denied, this procedure, and these are the reasons why. Evercore's nightmare, right? Yeah. <laughs> nightmare for them to be like, oh no, you're going to use logic and reason and references to get care? Imagine. <laughs> And so I've done these myself and normally you have to do a research on the literature and see what literature is out there and explain. Sometimes you can get away with saying my practice has done this and this. these are the indications typically done. What was interesting about this technology is right now I would call it in its, in its rare form for all of us because in that post that he did, basically two things came out of it. The idea, the concept, everything seemed to be right on. The problem, which was really interesting is the ChatGPT reference two references, and of the reference, the name did not match the article that it was re- referencing. And then another part of it was the actual article didn't match with what the contents of but, the right. statement was. It wasn't basically a real source. No, but I hate to say this, but some insurance companies may be going through hundreds of these. And if they see it, the general gist and say, yeah, this I can't, I'm going to have to deny it or approve. It may have worked. I don't know that he should follow up with that particular story. 
But that was quite interesting because here's a technology giving you information. And luckily, I'm a physician and I'm looking at healthcare data. But if someone is not understanding medicine to that level and reads ChatGPT, they're going to say, wow, this is great. I'm going to do this. But unfortunately, there's this phenomenon called hallucination. And in ChatGPT, it'll put an output out. And for you and I, if we're not educated in that field, we may think it's perfect. But in reality, it doesn't make sense. Or yeah. It's not medically valid. It's like anything where you don't have subject matter expertise and someone asking your opinion or to choose A versus B. And um, you don't necessarily have the, you don't know what you don't know. And to know how to be discerning. Although I think there's another layer too, right? That even clinicians or lay people or however might see this as treatment paradigm reversal or adjustment. And there's things in place, whether you be in, in diabetes, in cardiac care, in oncology, where those treatment paradigms are there because they've been tested in large populations and that kind of stuff. So I see, like you said, there's implications that you could really change the steering of a ship. Again, I think it's also a benefit because so many people are denied claims or coverage procedures for testing and have to be their own health advocate. And not everyone is able to do that. Not everyone has a clinician that is willing to take the time to do what you were saying, unless it's a mortality, life and death situation. But I think having tools like that, getting to that claim review more quickly is a cool thing because that means more people can get the care that they need. And it is appropriate care if you can demonstrate it, I guess. Yeah. What I find fascinating is if and I've been quoted this, I've seen this in several articles, they're saying between 71 and 73 days, our medical knowledge doubles. So if you think about that, it's just massive amount of data that as a physician, I'm responsible to keep up with. And so as a human being, it's really hard to know every single thing. That's why all of us specialize. I'm an ER board certified doctor. You know, a cardiologist or your primary care doc. We all have different specialties. With that kind of data, I'm excited to see ChatGPT because in the future, I see that being a key role in medical education and obviously other fields out there. Just the ability to have all that data and go through it with you, that's just unreal. To have a, basically a tutor that's online for me. That's yeah, I know that they're continuously informed by the new studies. It's just amazing. And so uh, on the medical school side, I wish I had this when I was in med school. Just There's just cases and pattern recognition. There's a lot of new blogs out there talking about ChatGPT was entered. What we call the USMLE is basically one of my tests that I have to do to in order to get my doctor, um, he calling it a certificate, but my credentials. And believe it or not, the ChatGPT was able to score about a 75, I think it was, percent, somewhere in there, which is amazing because that tells me that the ChatGPT was able to dissect the part of the question it was a biased study in the sense that they took out complex or questions that were had too many numbers in it, but just the crux of it, I think, what an amazing feature if it can get to the next level. Especially if we think about the application and analysis, right? And also as we are becoming more integrated globally as a global health as humans of the world, whereas I remember working in on the pharma side when anything OUS was really siloed and we had to make quite a bit of effort and investment to have affiliate connection to be able to share information, to be able to share best practices, to help maybe even affect policy changes or access for different groups in different countries. And now with AI, they're able to make pharmacoeconomic models from 
different environments such that to affect change across different with different inputs within a matter of minutes or weeks or days that used to take us months. And that all that time means people are waiting for their treatments. Yeah. I'm just excited. I know this is still in, in its infancy, but I really think this technology is going to take off. I'm going to date myself and say that I'm almost 50. And I really think when I hit about 60, 70, I would not be surprised if this is a bigger tool than it is today. Absolutely. I've heard someone refer to loosely to this as a calculator was to mathematics initially. And I think we we chatted about this a little bit before and how there was a lot of concern among educators in the mathematical realm and in, in primary grades and in upper grades, right, across the globe, that if you give the kids or young adults or adults calculators, they won't know how to do math because it's cheating. It's doing the work for them. And in some ways, that could be true, especially if we're talking about basic numeracy, basic arithmetic understanding of your times tables and things like that. But overall, we've seen that calculators ultimately are a tool that can be used to do higher order thinking and higher order math that become computers and evolved to a way as an opportunity to see math in a whole new way. And I see that for chat GBT and healthcare as well. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I could not agree with you more. It's just fascinating. We're the human beings where we don't like change. I always talk about if you're failing out of business, is it because you're resisting change? And with that said, I remember when I created my first iPhone app, it was the very first iPhone that came out and I tried to push things out and the FDA or Apple wouldn't allow me because the FDA wouldn't allow it. Now I look at the app store and I'm shocked at the stuff that's out there that I was told I couldn't do. And so I give that analogy and story because I feel like that's what's going to happen with ChatGPT. I personally think, and this is all my personal opinion, that in the future, the government's going to have the pressure because patients out there are going to demand to use it. They're going to start using it. And so it's going to get to the point where the government's going to want to regulate. And that's another soapbox that is going to happen. But I think big picture, we will get there. I do think the FDA finally will figure out a way to allow it, just like apps are allowed today. I think it sounds foreign today to say, oh, ChatGPT will be out there. But I do think it will be a medical device for us or not defined as a medical device for lawyers say, but it will be used as such. As a tool in the toolbox. The way EHR, electronic medical records, it's still bumpy. We won't talk about all the flaws there too. But in terms of what it could do, for the system, for the people who rely on it on both sides, for clinicians and for patients, and even for insurance in the loop to share information, to avoid medication error, all those kinds of things. It, there's still a long way to go, but the potential that it becomes available. We were talking also a little earlier about the talk I had done actually a couple months ago about AI and ethics in healthcare. And one of the things that we spoke about was, again, ripped from the headlines type of news where we, like your perfect, the claim example, where there were people following advice, self-help advice that was written by AI as a joke by a young student. And in fact, when someone tried to say, I think this was written by AI, all the other people in the chat like jumped on the person and said, you're not being, you're not in the spirit of this group and don't knock it. If it doesn't affect you, you don't have to say anything not nice. And people were like saying, this is so valuable. And the person who authored it did come back and say, actually, I didn't write this. This was an experiment. And so it makes me think about what is the line in terms of credibility, trust, and authenticity and decision-making when you, for you, and how do you feel about, because that's an area that I think makes people nervous, right? 
So taking advice, if you know it's from AI versus if you don't, and human in the loop and how those stack up in your mind and your experience. Good question. I think life is a progression. I think today it sounds foreign to to hear an AI tell you something and not have human input into it. I think we're at the infancy with ChatGPT3, and I think when ChatGPT3-4 comes out, it'll be more trusted. With that said, if I had to make up a number, I think it's going to be like ChatGPT-9 before we fully get there. Oh, this is recorded for posterity, so we'll come back. No. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we should have put some money on the table about it. Like a yeah. Bet. But to answer the ethical question, I think everything is education. If you don't educate someone else on any subject, they're going to be upset. But I think if you explain your logic and part of that logic is in saying, hey, I did use this as a tool and this is the things that it gave me. And then not only filter the bad and the good, but explain, hey, I excluded this from ChatGPT because it didn't comply with XYZ or my thinking or where the medicine's at. And I think if a patient heard both sides, I think they would respect that. I always give the analogy, and I'm going to date myself some more. When I was a med student and Google came out and then consult, and I remember my colleagues being upset because the patient came in with diagnosis from MD consult and it was way off. I feel like that's where we're headed with ChatGPT, and I think that's going to come sooner than later. I know it's not medically indicated, and ChatGPT says they're not, but I do see that coming. I do see patients putting in their symptoms and doing that anyway. Even if I said it on this podcast or not, I see that coming, and I'm warning my doctors out there, hey, be ready. Yeah, basically WebMD 3.0. Exactly. Phenomenon, not as it properly. No, I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. It's interesting. But shout out to WebMD. I love those guys. Oh, um, we're in early stages, but that was a thing. We would hear from clinicians that people would come with four pages of printouts and be convinced of a diagnosis that may or may not be accurate and is an awkward thing because you're trying to forge that relationship. You have less time, all those layers. So absolutely. Then, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to jump in because this was interesting. A colleague this week pulled me aside and said, man, I'm really in- intrigued by the ethics involved because this is makes the, everybody out there just think about it. The theory is that OpenAI open was just open source and no company owned it. And so the, the theory when they opened it, no pun intended, was to really just keep this away from the private sector so that from an ethical point of view, there would never be this business pressure behind the product. Mm-hmm. You see Microsoft, I forget if it's a billion dollars they put in at first, but all I know is that they have about 49%. And so now the business model has changed and they've said that come March, April, Microsoft should be adding Bing to ChatGPT and it'll be on a search engine and Microsoft is looking at different products that they have and they're saying they might be in their in your office products. And so now it, from an ethics point of view, and this is where my colleague asked me the question, do you think that because business is behind it, are they going to take advantage of this technology, maybe take advantage of people that have certain medical conditions? And I'm just putting it from an ethical plane. Yeah, I mean, and also the flip of that, I think about when we talk about ethics, one of the things we, we think about is also access. So does it create a barrier because only people who have computer literacy or literacy speak languages that have access to use Microsoft products, are they going to be at a disadvantage if it becomes the groundswell that I also think it's going to be? 
No, that's actually a really good point too. So much ethics. And then I hate to say it's a U.S. company, but what happens to people outside the U.S.? Does that mean they're second tier to the U.S.? And because I know a lot of software comes out and they allow it, in, in, for example, in the United States, and then they spread it out to other parts of the country. So it, it's just interesting to see the ethics. I know ChatGPT is currently looking at a professional edition where people will pay a monthly fee. Like you said, what if that's the feature that becomes the standard of care in our lives, let's say? And then all of a sudden, that just becomes a barrier from the price point of view. That's also, I go even more granular back to the open source thing in terms of what was put into it. Who did that coding and what are the rules that were set up in that core machine learning such that are we looking at things with what kind of bias, with what kind of lens? So there's a lot of layers to it, oh. um, especially from different populations that don't typically get studied because, again, usually maybe they don't have insurance or they're in this U.S., okay, and globally as well. In the U.S., I would say maybe they don't have insurance or they don't, they're not a citizen, so they're not included in a lot of these studies or people in different parts of the globe where there are certain rare and orphan diseases and they just don't have this kind of tie-in to the mainstream. But I'm hoping that because the lift, the heavy lifting, if you will, was already done, it's just there, there are ways, there are initiatives to get internet access into everyone's home, for example, in the U.S. And there are millions and maybe probably more than millions of dollars of grants from many providers, government organizations to do that. So the thing is, the more we rely on tech, the more people only who have access to the tech can use it. So that's just another area that I didn't know if you heard any discussion about, but it's something that I think about. No, I love the ethics. That's actually one of my favorite classes when I was a med student, just the ethics of everything. It's very deep, really interesting. I can't wait to see what the future holds. On the positive side, I'm, I think it's going to be a tool. And I think my goal is to just increase awareness of this tool. Because interesting enough, I've asked my doctor friends and a lot of them look at me like I'm crazy. What are you talking about? And so just introducing the product to them, it's interesting. And then there's the flip side, also patients out there that I just randomly ask people that I meet, hey, have you heard of this product? And they haven't. I feel like once this really gets going, it's going to be like having a cell phone, in my opinion, like everybody will just be using it. Maybe not that brand. Let's just pretend that Google has their own brand and somebody else that's the same similar technology. I really do think all of us will be using it. Yeah, I do as well. Hence my glomming onto you and and being so excited. And speaking of the glomming onto you, we have full disclosure to our listeners, another a couple areas of overlap. And as we wind down time, I thought it might be nice to talk about one of those areas of overlap and what you're going to be doing there and what are your hopes are. And also to maybe talk just a little bit about your book that's behind you in the background there and tell people where they can get it. Yeah, I am blessed to be working with Vital Health. They're a telemedicine company and I'll be their chief clinical operating officer. And my main goal will be working with the company as far as the clinical different applications. Obviously with ChatGPT, we are already in talks with how can we integrate this into the company. Obviously no promises there, but we are in discussions to see how we can do this the right way. You've already mentioned the ethics behind it, the technology, the barriers. There's just a lot of issues that need to be addressed before we get to that point. As far as my book, the book's called ChatGPT and Healthcare. It's currently on the Amazon store, both the Kindle edition and paperback. And I've had a lot of fun just working on it. And to take it to the next level, my main goal in all this is not really the book. It's more the idea behind the book, which is I want to increase people out there talking about this subject, doctors about this subject, 
And I made a little LinkedIn group so that scientists, computer programmers, patients, lawyers can go in there and just put XYZ or I saw this article and people can have discussions because in my mind, if these discussions start happening, I know there's some CEO out there that's watching and saying, oh, wait, we could create that product. And then my bigger thinking is eventually that's going to be in the market and eventually it's going to help patients. And that's the main goal for the book. Thank you. That is incredible. And thank you for all of your commitment to better us all, empower us, expand our thinking. And I don't know if we could have a competition who is up later at night between you and I, but I know you burn the midnight oil to try and make sure that all of that is realized. And I thank you for that. I thank you for being on the show today. And in terms of the best way to get in touch with you, what would you recommend? Would it be LinkedIn? Yeah, LinkedIn I'm on. But if you don't have LinkedIn, my handle is Harvey Castro, MD, as in medical doctor. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Awesome. Thank you so much. And when we do air this episode, you'll, all of your contact there will be there as well. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Insights Out. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you have a specific topic in mind and you want us to discuss, please reach out to us by visiting newsolutionsnetwork.com. See you next time. Mm-hmm.